Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Center podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. Who believes that your destiny is to reign in life through Jesus? Can I have a show of hands? Do you believe that? That your destiny is to reign in life through Jesus. I see that hand, Daryl. Well done. That's, that's what I believe for my, my own life, and that's what I believe for your life as well. We're destined to reign, to reign over sickness, to reign over sin, to reign over fear, to reign over condemnation through Christ. That's our destiny as Christians. Our destiny as Christians is not to live a life of intimidation and fear and being held back from all that God has for us. And not for one moment am I saying that it's, you know, that we all need to be extroverts, that we all need to be out there. What I am saying is this, that we, our destiny is to live a life confident in Christ, to reign in life, to have victory in life, to have victory over the stuff that holds us back and holds us down. Amen? I want to talk to you tonight about your destiny and how it's to reign in Jesus Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, my destiny is to reign in Jesus Christ. To reign in Jesus Christ. My destiny is to reign in Jesus Christ. Now that's not talking about the rain that comes out of the sky. I'm talking about reigning in life, living your life of victory taking hold of all the things that God has for you and not allowing the enemy to have a foothold in your life. Amen? I believe that we are called by God to live a confident life in him. And if we're living a confident life in Christ, we are reigning in life. His plan is that we would reign over insecurity and fear and doubt and intimidation. Romans 5.17 in the New International Version says this, For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So it's about receiving. It's not about doing, it's about receiving. It's about receiving what God has given us. God has given us an abundant provision of grace. Abundance is more than enough. God has given us more than enough grace. He's given us more than enough mercy. Amen? And he's given us the gift of righteousness. How cool is that? The gift of righteousness, the gift of being right before God because of him. You know, when you reign in life, you'll have victory over sin. You'll have victory over insecurity, fear and doubt, intimidation, condemnation, all of these things that we face when we, when we receive what God has given us, our abundant gift of grace and the righteousness, we can reign in life. You know, so often I hear people say, I'm under attack from the enemy and the devil's doing this and the devil's doing that. Do you know that as Christians, we're on the victory side? 
The devil can't make you do anything. There's not one thing he can make you do. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he disarmed the spiritual powers and authorities. The devil can't make you do a thing. It's only when we start to believe his lies that that's when he gets a foothold. John Bloom says, and I have no idea who John Bloom is, the devil had no the devil has no authority over any Christians except the authority we grant him by believing him. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Don't believe it when the enemy says to you that you're not loved by God. Don't believe the lies of the enemy when he says that you're not good enough. Don't believe the lies of the enemy when he says you'll never make it. Don't believe the lies of the enemy when he says that you're a loser. Don't believe the lies of the enemy when he tells you that you can't be a child of God. They're all lies from the pit of hell. Don't believe it. Don't fall into his trap. See, here's a really cool thing. This is what is so good. The power to reign in life does not depend upon you. That's good. Mark, that's good. The power to reign in life does not depend upon you. It doesn't depend upon your family background. It doesn't depend upon your education. It doesn't depend upon your qualifications. It doesn't depend upon your bank account, your academic ability or inability. It doesn't even depend on your looks. The power to reign in life solely depends upon receiving everything that Jesus has accomplished on the cross for you and me. You know, if we're living a life of defeat and insecurity, intimidation and condemnation, if our life has been run by fear and anxiety, it's not the life that Jesus has for you. You are called, I am called, we are called to reign in Christ. We are called to be confident in Christ. Confident that he has made a way for each of us to receive his grace and confident that he's made a way for us to be right with God, to reign means to have dominion over all the challenges and circumstances that you face in life. We are called to live our lives above our circumstances and challenges, not being trampled over by them. We're not called to live a defeatist life. We're called to live a life of victory. We're called to reign in life. You know, God's abundant provision of grace, what does that mean? It means that we have his unearned and unmerited favor on our lives. We didn't earn it. We can't earn it. He's given it to us as a gift. When we believe that Jesus died for us, we receive his abundant gift of grace. And on top of that, he's given us the gift of righteousness, of being right before God. How good is that? Just think about those two things alone that you have as a Christian. When you put your hand up and you say, yep, I'm a sinner, I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. I'm going to make him my savior. I repent. I turn away from my previous life and I'm now going to follow Jesus. You automatically receive God's abundant provision of grace. He's unearned and he's unmerited favor over your life. And you receive the gift of righteousness. Standing before God knowing that when he sees you, he doesn't see fault. He doesn't see blemish. He doesn't see what you're doing because of what Jesus has done. You know, the way God thinks and the way man thinks are two completely different things. Who knows that? Man thinks that to receive God, to receive God's blessing, you need to do something. You need to earn it. 
It's based on performance and good works. God's ways are contrary to man's ways. God's ways is not about achieving, it's about receiving. See, it doesn't say in Romans 5.17, it doesn't say this, it doesn't say that when you achieve God's grace and you earn your own righteousness, you will reign in life. It doesn't say that. No, it says those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. You receive it when you become a Christian. You know, I grew up being taught rightly that if you work hard, if you apply yourself, if you do the right thing, you will be rewarded, you will succeed. And it's true. Young people especially. I started out as an apprentice carpenter and ended up as the state building manager. And I wasn't an overly uh, educated man. I, I wasn't exceptionally academic or anything like that, but I applied myself with what I had. And I believe in Australia that if you're willing to apply yourself, if you're willing to go to work before you're meant to be there, if you're willing to leave work after you're meant to be there, if you're willing to work through the lunch hour, if you're willing to do what your boss tells us, if you're willing to be faithful in the small things, you will succeed. There is, there is reaping and sowing. There is a principle there that applies. And if you want to go as far as you possibly can, if you work hard, if you do the right thing, you will succeed. I see it. If I can do it and I see it in other people, they have succeeded from a worldly perspective. You, you can get promoted. You can go to where you want to go in Australia. We are lived. Don't believe that we live in a country that you don't have opportunity. We do. We had lunch with Pastor Bob today who was in India, in the slums of India. Tell, people that live in the slums of India have very little prospect of ever getting what you've got today. In Australia, we are a blessed country. If you apply yourself and you want to go and you want to get reach, you can get there. Being faithful in the small things, being honest, being person of integrity, working hard, you will get there. You can achieve whatever you want to achieve if you will apply yourself. But in the context of Romans 5.17 and what I'm talking about tonight, it does not mean that you will reign from within. See, worldly success will not help you much when it comes to dealing with issues like insecurity, intimidation, condemnation, fear and anxiety. And in fact, some of those things can be the driver or the reason as to why you want to succeed because you're not whole inside. You're not whole, you're incomplete from within and you're looking to something external to make you feel better about yourself. So you want to go and get that next job and you want to achieve and you want to do all those things because you're not dealing with the stuff on the inside and so you're overcompensating and so you're pushing yourself to go as far as you possibly can. But what happens is you will burn out. If you don't deal with the stuff that goes on on the inside, if you don't deal with the insecurity, if you don't deal with fear, if you don't deal with intimidation, if you don't deal with anxiety and depression and all those sorts of stuff that goes on inside of you. See, living a life of the whereby we're reigning, we live, over, we live in victory over sin, we live in victory over insecurity, we live in victory over fear and doubt. You know, we've been taught that if we wanted to succeed, it's all about achieving But God's principle is it's all, sorry, we've been taught that if you want to succeed, it's all about achieving, it's all about doing. But that does not give you what you need. See, the victory you need is in Christ. 
the victory that I need is in Christ. It's living our life by the principle of Romans 5.17, where we understand that we have God's abundant provision of grace and we have right standing with God. They're the things that count in life. They're the things that will help us when we deal with stuff like intimidation and fear. Because we know, we know, we know, we know, we know that it doesn't matter what the world says about us. God says about us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We know that. You know, the devil just loves to get in and tells us that, you know, if you want to succeed, you go for it. And then eventually you stop attending church and you get so bound up in work and you, you, you start working through nights and you forgo weekends and you forgo spending time with your kids and with your wife. And before you know it, you've lost everything. I've heard, I'm sure you've heard the saying that if you, you'll need to pay the price if you want to succeed. Well, I say to you tonight, thankfully, Jesus has paid the price for every believer. Do you know that when we try to earn God's, God's favor, we actually fall from grace? I was reading about Ben Cousins. Who knows Ben Cousins? He's an AFL player. He reached the peak of his career in AFL football. He was one of the top-line players He finished his career and he got into drugs. And I was reading about him today and there was that term, fall from grace. Who's heard that expression, fall from grace? So what what do you picture in your mind when you hear that term, fall from grace? It's like you fall from God's favour, that you fall from his blessing. And in some cases it might even be that you lose your salvation. People, when they talk about backsliders, it's falling from grace. But let me tell you, when you put it into the biblical contents, falling from grace has nothing to do with that. Don't believe me, Lynn? Let me read it to you. Paul talks about how we fall from grace, and it's when we try and earn God's favor, and we try and be right with God, that we try and earn his blessing, and we go back to the law. That's when we fall from grace. We negate what Jesus has done on the cross. In fact, some, we can stample, stample what Jesus has done on the cross when we're trying to earn his favor and his blessing. Listen to this, Galatians 5, 1 to 4, the New Living Translation. So Christ has truly set us free. Tori, say, I am free. I am free. I am free. You are free tonight. Christ has set you free. Now make sure that you stay free. Do you want to stay free? Dylan, do you want to stay free? I want to stay free. And don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. So in other words, what that's saying is that if you want to earn your way to God through good acts and through religious acts, then you better make sure that you don't break one of the laws. And then perhaps you might earn God's favor and blessing. But who knows that every single one of us falls short of God's glorious standard. There is not one person that's walked this earth other than Jesus Christ that has walked this earth and not sinned. Every single one of us falls short. Now we may not do the standout sins that everybody looks at and carries on about and it's true you know what I'm talking about but who which one of us here tonight's never been selfish 
Magnum ice creams. Which, which one of us here tonight has never wanted things their own way? <laughs> Thanks, Jace. Which one of us is, come on, hand on heart, which one of us is perfectly working in God's, walking in God's will for our lives? Which one of us? Come on. Which one of us has got it entirely right with God? That we're dying, we're laying down our life for Jesus. We're giving up everything that we want for Jesus. That we're going 100% for Jesus 100% of the time. I wish I could be like that, but I know that I'm not. Because I know that there's times when John gets a bit tired and a bit selfish and a bit self-centered. When John wants to control and manipulate and, and cause things to happen in his own strength. I know I fall short, but I thank God for God's grace. And I thank God that every day of my life I stand before the throne knowing that I am righteous. And so do you if you're a follower of Christ because of Jesus and his work. Because I'm receiving it. I'm not achieving it. I'm receiving it. You're receiving it tonight, church. I thought that did deserve a clap. I'll say it again, if you're trying to find favour with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. If you're trying trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. What happens when we try and earn our favour and earn our righteousness? We're cut off from Christ, that's pretty scary. I don't ever want to be cut off from Christ. I hope that we are, my, my desire is that I am never religious, that we're not a religious church, that we're a Bible-believing, Jesus-loving church. It's not about religion. It's not about me and it's not about you. It's about what Jesus has done. It's about receiving what he has given us. If you're counting on circumcision, if you're counting on a religious act to make you right, then Christ gives no benefit to you at all. You know, if we're not careful, we can take the world's formula for success and apply it to the formula for success for our Christian life. In, instead of depending on God's grace and favor to receive his blessing, we look to our self-effort. We try and earn it. We try and earn his blessing. We can't earn God's favor. If it were dependent upon my ability to earn his favor, I will never get it. Because I can't. It's impossible. I'm human. You're human. We can't earn it. We're not Jesus. We don't live a sinless life. We can't earn it. We can receive it. We are blessed because of his performance, not our performance. The work is done when he hung on the cross and said, it is finished. The work was done. It is finished. I am right with God. When Jesus said, it is finished, I am right with God. How good is that? I want to make a very important point here before I go much further. I've been talking 20 minutes already. I can't believe that. Easy 20 minutes. Who said that? Am I saying that we become a Christian 
that we make a decision for Christ. And then we just sit down and go, oh, life's wonderful. I don't need to do anything more. I just need to receive. I'll go and smell the roses. I'll go and drink lattes all day long. And I'll just enjoy the rest of my life. If that's not what I'm saying to you tonight, absolutely not. Am I saying that we should become lazy Christians? Absolutely not. We have a part to play. I have a part to play. You have a part to play. See, we're in partnership with Christ. We will need to take the time to study his word. To find the truth. We'll need to pray. We'll need to go to church. We'll need to join a life group. We'll need to do extra Christian study. We'll need to read Christian books. We'll need to watch and listen to Christian sermons. We'll need to apply what we've learned to our lives. James puts it like this. James 1, 22 to 24. Do not merely listen to the word so and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anybody who listens to the word but does not do what it says is someone who looks in the mirror at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. Tonight are you listening to what I'm saying? Are you applying it to your life? Are you taking notes? I don't know about you, but unless I start to take some notes, you know what usually happens for me? It goes in here. And it goes out there. I don't know about you. Maybe you can sit here tonight and you can take in what's been preached and you can go into church and you can take it all in and you can apply it to your life. And I'm good on you if you can do that. But I'm just going to talk about me for a moment. It's impossible for me to take it in. I need to be doing something so that I can take it in. I take notes. I go back over it. I study it. Lately, when I've been reading the Bible, I used to do a chapter a day. For quite a long time, and I pick out one Bible verse, and then I do a soap on that. Who's heard of the soap? Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Do you understand what I'm saying? You pick out a verse, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. But what I'm finding now is I'm slowing right down. I'm putting on the handbrake, and I'm going to one verse, and I'm going, right, can I get out of this? Because sometimes that's what's required, so we can get it in here. We need to slow down. We need to meditate on his word. We need to accept it and take it in. You know, when I arrived at the Christian rehab all those horrible years ago, although not horrible, I've been married to my beautiful wife for the last eight years, but all those years ago when I arrived at the Christian rehab and I, for the first time in my life, I understood what it meant God's grace. It finally got in here and from here into my heart. It changed my life forever. No longer did I think, no longer, I I knew that no longer did I have to earn his favor. No longer did I have to earn my way to heaven. No longer did I have to earn his grace over my life. I had it. And I wanted to shout it from the rooftops, but not too many people wanted to listen. I couldn't work out why. 
I was on fire. I hope I'm still on fire for Christ. And I love preaching about God's grace. It's who I am because it's transformed my life. And if it can transform my life, it can transform your life. Because I don't want to ever live that life of fear, intimidation, anxiety, depression, all of that stuff. I was tired of it. And when I heard his grace, it just started to wash out of my life. And I started to live the life, the destiny that he had for me, the destiny to reign. Can you tell I'm excited about this? I'm excited about it. Like, can you imagine this God that hates sin? This God that can't tolerate it because it's so bad because it kills us, has made a way that we can stand before him sinless. I, woo. We need to apply what we've heard to our lives. You know, when I arrived and I, I was on fire for Christ and I was going around and I was talking to the other, all the other guys and I was talking about God's grace and I was reading books and I was praying and I was watching sermons and these other, some of these other guys, they were just, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, what? What's different? Why is it? Why has it made such an impact on my life, and why isn't it making any impact on their life at all? Now they put their hand up. Praise God. Most of the guys that went through the re- Christian rehab that I went through got, made a decision to follow Christ, but it more or less stopped there. And unfortunately, some of them have even died. I know of six, six guys that went through the, and a girl that went through the program with me that. They didn't have victory in their lives. And I don't understand and I don't know why that it changed my life in such a dramatic way, but it didn't seem to impact them as much. I couldn't work it out. It didn't make any sense to me. But then it started to dawn on me, perhaps it's because they weren't willing to play their part. They weren't willing to read the Bible. They weren't willing to pray. They weren't willing to seek after God to find out the truth. I couldn't understand why they weren't as hungry as I was. How hungry are you, church, tonight to find out the truth, to find out the destiny that God has for your life? All I know is this. I was desperate to reign in life. Can I have a show of hands tonight if you're desperate to reign in life? Some don't, but that's okay. I am desperate. Even now, if I'm not vigilant, 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 vigilant. Do you like that word, vigilant? Vigilant. Even now, if I'm not vigilant, I can find myself falling back into that place of intimidation and fear and insecurity. You know, maybe I'm allowing the lies of the enemy to get into my head when he starts telling me that you'll never do the right thing, you'll never make it, that you're just a loser, you make those mistakes over and over again, you're not getting anywhere, why do you even bother trying? Maybe I'm just believing to the ne- believing the negative thoughts that come into my mind, I don't know, but I need to remain vigilant. You know, God's grace does not make you lazy. I believe that if you've really understood God's grace, you'll no longer be lazy because you're coming from a place of, wow, wow, God loves me just as I am in spite of 
what I did and in spite of where I've been and in spite of who I am, he loves me just as I am. And he's forgiven me. He's forgiven me. He's forgiven me. He's forgiven you, Jimmy. Those terrible things that you did, you're forgiven. The terrible things that I did, I'm forgiven. We should be shouting from the rooftops, thank you, Lord. I'm forgiven. I stand before you right. God's grace does not make you lazy and unproductive. It makes you more productive. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.10. And I love Paul. Who likes Paul? I, I just am astounded with Paul. I love it where he says that I'm, least, I'm less than the least of all God's people to preach Christ Jesus. Because I can relate to that. See, the very thing that the enemy wants to, to use to pull you down and tear you apart and to destroy your life is the very thing that God will build his foundation for the rest of your life on. And that's what he's done in my life. But whatever I am now, this is Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But whatever I am now, I want to say that again. But whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. God poured out his special favor on me. God poured out his special favor on me. And so what was Paul's response to God's special favor? To sit back and do nothing? No, it was to work even harder. See, God's way of doing things is to bless you first. Then the knowledge of his blessing gives you the power to work harder. I'm going to say that again because I thought that was pretty good. God's way of doing things is to bless you first. How has he blessed us? How has he blessed us? Salvation. He's blessed us through giving us salvation. He's blessed us through giving us his grace, his undeserved and unmerited favor. He's blessed us through giving us the gift of being right before God. Is that not enough? Is that not enough? Oh, oh, woe is me. My life is hard and difficult. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven, but oh, woe is me. I'm going to go and suck some more lemons. I'm just going to complain and moan and groan and carry on about the pastor and the way he preaches. I don't know, like, come on. What's the result of God giving you what you've got? Is it making you work harder? Is it motivating you to work harder? See, God's way is to bless you first and then you'll, with his knowledge, his blessing gives you the power to work even harder. We don't, in other words, we don't have to work hard to be blessed. We work hard because we know that we have been blessed. If I could have the band up, please. Does the message of God's grace and the free gift of being right with him motivate you? Does it motivate me 
to serve Jesus no matter the cost? Who remembers that a couple of weeks ago I preached about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? And do you remember what when the king said to them, when he was throwing them into the fiery furnace, what did he say to them? He said, I'm going to throw you in and what God can save you now? And their response was a classic. And I'm going to take it with me for the rest of my days. And this was their response. You ready for this? We believe that our God can save us. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that your God can save you from the fiery furnace? But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down and worship your gods. Is that how we're doing our walk with Jesus today? Or do we look at the fiery furnace and we go, you know, I preach that sometimes we need to get into that fiery furnace We need to allow God to burn stuff off in our life that's pulling us down and holding us back. We need to let go of things and ask God to help us with things like fear and intimidation and depression and anxiety. Some of the stuff that was over my life when when I got the message of grace, it broke just like that. But there's been other stuff in my life that is it has been an ongoing process. Sometimes I think I've got complete victory in a particular thing in my life and then because of stuff happening or not turning out the way I want it to, I can find myself falling back into that place of fear and intimidation. But that's when I know that I've got to work harder. I've got to get back into his word. I've got to go to church. I've got to pray. I've got to do those things so that I can get back into that place where I'm reigning in life, where I'm living my life confidently in Christ. So confidently that it doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter whether the Prime Minister is the one that I want or the one that I don't want. It doesn't matter whether my football team loses or wins. It doesn't matter whether my wife's nice to me or not, but she's always nice to me anyway. It doesn't matter. See, even if I get thrown into the fiery furnace and I don't come out, I'm still not, it doesn't matter. I'm still not going to worship those other gods. Woo! Can I have my phone? We went, Helen and I went and visited Granville. Who knows Granville? Granville served, is still serving Jesus all the days of his life. And we went and visited him yesterday. It's not looking like he's, he's not well. And I said to Granville, can I go and get your Bible? He was sitting outside in the sun and his family were there and they left. And it was a perfect opportunity for Helen and I just to spend some time with him and pray with him and talk to him. And I went and got his King James Version Bible. The these, the thighs, the thales, the thumbs. But I felt like there was something that I needed to read to Granville. I really felt the Spirit of God in me saying, read this to Granville. And I opened the Bible, and in his Bible, he had a marker. And it opened to Psalm 136. And I don't know why. Well, I do know why. (laughs) As I was reading it, I had tears in my eyes. I had tears in my eyes because I could see this man that had served Christ so well all the days of his life coming towards the sunset of his life. 
But as I was reading this Bible verse, this, this psalm, it just, God just reminded me that his mercies endure forever. Let me read it to you. Psalm 136, and this is the New King James Version. Version. I give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. I give thanks to God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. I give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. To him by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights, for his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercies endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule by night, for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck Egypt in the firstborn, for his mercy endures forever. And brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endures forever. With a strong hand and with an outstretched arm, for his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea into two, for his mercy endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endures forever. But overthrow Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever. To him who led the people through the wilderness, for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his mercy endures forever. And slew famous kings, for his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. That's the God we serve. That's the God I serve. See, the God I serve is is a God that loves me, that has a plan and has a destiny for me. And he serves, and the God you serve has a plan and a destiny for you. And I declare over your life tonight, I declare over your life tonight that you are destined to reign through Christ. No attack of the enemy, no person, nothing will get in the way. I declare over you tonight, that God's mercy endures forever. Acts 20, 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. 
the wonderful grace of God. My life, my life, my life is worth nothing to me unless I finish the work that is assigned to me by Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That message is for me and that message is for you. Paul dedicated the rest of his life to Jesus, no matter the circumstance. In fact, he wrote most of his letters that we read out of the New Testament whilst he was in jail. Even when he'd been beaten and whipped, he would sing hymns and pray. See, he knew his work assignment. He knew what his assignment was. He knew what his destiny was. And it was to tell others about the good news. And it wasn't dependent upon whether he was in the fire, out of the fire, in jail, out of jail. Whether things went well or things went bad. Whether things fell into place or whether things fell apart. That was his destiny. That was his calling to tell others about the good news. And that's my calling and I believe it's your calling too. Our calling is to tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ. But if we're not living the good news, (laughs) sour, negative, downtrodden, if we're not living the good news, then how can we possibly tell people about the wonderful grace of God? Do you get what I'm saying? Are you challenged tonight? I'm challenged tonight. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.